Brilliant, it's Carl here from Games, Brains and a Headbanging Life here with John Yellen, the vocalist and lyricist of heavy metal and power metal band, uh, Judica. John, it's a pleasure to talk with you. How, how have you been doing? I've been doing very well. Um, very excited about the upcoming album. We've been working on it for a long time and a lot of effort has gone into it. So I'm really excited to see the uh, kind of reactions that we get from listeners and uh, the release here is coming up in a couple of weeks, so no, not much longer to wait now. It has been no easy task, I imagine, to try and build towards a new album with what has been going on in the world. Oh, yeah. How have you been coping with that? Um, I'm fortunate in a number of ways um, because my job... Uh, I, I have a job that allows me to work from home relatively easy. So Fantastic. when uh, when the, the quarantine and lockdown started happening, I just shifted my work to uh, to the house. Um, and luckily I'm married. So <laughs> the loneliness is not such a big issue, too, because I have a lot of friends who are single um, and who are in like California where the lockdown is much more uh, like tough. Mm. Um, and the other way, speaking of like geography in Utah, the, uh, coronavirus has been much less of, uh, it hasn't hit us as hard, um, as opposed to my friends on the East and West coast, for example, where, like I said, the lockdown is much tougher. And, uh, so I, I know that they've dealt with, uh, issues of like isolation and loneliness. So I feel really bad for people who have been hit harder. I, I feel very fortunate, actually. No, it's something I can relate to. Obviously, in the UK, uh, lockdown was very light, very, very loose. And it was hard to kind of um, almost relate to what a lot of other countries were going through, um, mm -hmm. particularly if you continue to do work like I did and stuff like that. Um, but Obviously, during all of that, you've still got to work towards a release. Um, obviously, yeah. happily, um, hopefully things are moving in a downward trend in the COVID department, making the release feel less almost pressure-based, I guess? Yeah, that's been a kind of weird um, new dynamic because, yeah, I mean, we no longer have any pressure to do performances, um, I don't think we'll have any performances on the horizon until next year. So that element of pressure is gone. Really, it's just about getting the, the album and content out, which is uh, kind of relaxing comparatively. But at the same time, you know, we, we really just really enjoy playing shows. So that's also disappointing. And I mean, playing shows and doing touring and that kind of thing, it really helps with the promotion of the album too. So I hope that uh, the album is still a great success for us. I think it will be since we just signed with Prosthetic Records and mm. releasing the album through them. So uh, I'm hoping that the, the benefits we get from the signing to Prosthetic outweigh the negatives with the COVID situation. And would you say you've kind of learned a lot in regards to kind of overcoming the challenges of releasing an album while effectively the world is coming out of lockdown, but was on lockdown. Um, that has been 
it, it hasn't affected me so much. I don't normally handle much of the business and the logistics for the band. Um, that's sort of changing. We're moving toward more of a democratic system within the band uh, where we share more of the responsibility. Um, the bigger we get, uh, the less one person can handle taking that responsibility. So we're spreading it out a little bit more. So I'm getting my uh, my business experience, <laughs> which is nice because I've normally been a right-hand man kind of guy. And now I have to step into a little bit more leadership role. That's amazing. You say you kind of, when you want to start a band, you kind of just want to hit the stage, you want to play music, release an album, but it's so much more than that. Yeah. I mean, that was one thing for me. Like, um, yeah, it, it all starts with the passion of the music. You see your favorite bands on stage. You say, I want to do that someday. And uh, I was never a business minded kind of guy. I'm more of a, <clears throat> uh, I, I would rather be like a social worker or something rather than like a, a business owner. And the, the stark reality is that being in a band to, to it actually go anywhere, you have to either have a band manager or you have to develop those skills. You have to be a, a valid business. It is a business essentially mm. if you're going to be successful anyways. So do you going to see yourselves as um, a good example, I guess of how a band can operate, not just with what's going on right now, but in modern times, because obviously you, you're all quite spread out um, throughout the US. Uh, so you obviously take an advantage of technology to write and uh, share ideas and stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it's been really interesting because we started to form, because we started out as a side project just between a friend in Utah and Arizona. Um but it started out as just like a side project and it got such a good reception that it developed into a full fledged band. Um, and you know, all of this was happening too when CD sales started really tanking. Mm. Um, and so like we, we formed during a, a really interesting transition period in the music industry. Um, yeah. I... <laughs> do, you, do you think then it's something you were kind of forced into into that adaption or that it's just something because of the band's age the band's time um that just is there naturally that change from cd sales to streaming youtube um instant gratification yeah i i've been thinking about that because the, the music industry, as we know, it sort of started in like, what, the 1920s or 30s or so? Um, because prior to then, you couldn't like sell music. It wasn't something really that you could sell except for maybe a performance or something. So it was really like an unprecedented development in just like as far as an industry. Um, but I imagine you had similar kind of changes or uh, difficulties in changing from like vinyl to eight track to uh, CD. Um, but really like, I, I think in some ways I, I worry, I speculate that like physical media <clears throat> will never come back. It'll never be the same. Um, so really like as far as I know, it's anyone's guess as to where the actual music industry will go. Um, mm. 
I, I, I have no idea. I, I don't think it will ever return to the, the heyday, so to speak. So, no, I, I don't completely know. understand that. <laughs> um, even with the kind of brief free rise we've got um, of vinyl and even vinyl. cassette, um, yeah. it, that's never going to be what it was 40 years ago um, <laughs> because even if you buy something vinyl, it's only available and streaming probably quicker. You know, you'll pre-order an album. Yeah. It can take a week to come after its release and it's already been out digital. So you kind of need to be switched on to that, I guess. And kind of what I... Like, picking up on that, um, because vinyl has seen a resurgence, but I don't think vinyl will ever be, like, the default popular medium for listening uh for consumption but the potential that i see with metal is something like what we see with jazz and what i mean by that is like jazz music they still have festivals they still release music but it's not in the popular uh like you know culture like it was um but it's still a vibrant and healthy subculture subcommunity. Mm. And so I think metal has an edge because it's more marketable for sure. And you have these big festivals like Vakken and uh, 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 70 Tons of Metal. So I, I wonder, again, I speculate whether metal will eventually become some kind of subculture or subcommunity like what we see with jazz now, but probably bigger. Um, so, Fascinating. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking. Because we, we in metal, arguably had our mainstream period in the late 90s with new metal and the likes of Lip Biscuit and those bands kind of getting that cross crossover appeal. We still get the odd band now, but certainly yeah. not widespread. It's It feels very underground again. Yeah, and... I, I just feel so fortunate. Like in in the U.S., I feel so bad. Like a band, like uh, not a huge band, like Judas Priest or Iron Maiden, but <clears throat> a, a modestly big band like Blind Guardian or no Gamma Ray or Halloween. Gamma Ray or Halloween. If they come to the U.S., where in the in Europe they would play to thousands and thousands of people. When they come to U.S. Uh, they may play for one or two thousand or even hundreds of people. But uh, I, I'm really grateful because I know that Japan and Europe and South America, like there there are still big holdouts where you have the ability to put thousands of people in a venue. So that that's kind of what gives me more hope that metal can continue to be something bigger compared to like jazz um, because there is still more of a crossover and uh, appeal and it feels like it can stay more modern and relevant and continue to grow in a way that jazz maybe can't absolutely and back to you guys then i guess you're somewhat would you call yourselves a prolific band because <laughs> let there be nothing is the fifth studio release in what roughly eight years um, yeah does creativity then just come really easy for judicaia um, I, I don't know. Uh, what, what I can say is that I know Tony and I, being the primary songwriters, we really, really care 
um, Tony is just constantly writing. That's part of what has allowed us to have such a uh, uh, consistent stream of albums come out. Um, because like, even right now, we basically have the next album written. And so whenever we're working on an album, he's already got the next album basically already written. So that allows us to kind of just keep cranking them out. Um, and then as far as like, I, I don't know that I would call us prolific. Um, I just would say that we care um, a lot, a lot of research and study goes into the preparation for the lyrics side of uh, any album. Um, like for this last album, Let There Be Nothing, I read maybe three or four books on Eastern Roman Byzantine history. Um, because my goal is basically that I want somebody who has no idea what this is about to come in and like the lyrics, like the music. And if they choose to read the lyrics, they'll say, wow, this is really good. But also if a historian, <laughs> were to, uh, if a historian were to read the lyrics and be like, yeah, we'll see. He probably just went to Wikipedia and uh, thought this was a cool subject. I want a historian to be able to read the lyrics and be like, damn, actually, yeah, this is, this is pretty good. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And of course, you've already mentioned it. Obviously, Let There Be Nothing is conceptual release. Um, I'm, correct me if I'm saying this correctly. Belisarius? Belisarius. There we go. Probably, um, probably acceptable <laughs> pronunciation. Where did this idea come from, the focus on this particular general and his exploits? Um, I had always had a fascination with uh, Emperor Justinian. And because it had piqued my interest that we generally think of Rome as having existed from, what, 47 BC to sometime in the 400s. But that's just not the case. Rome actually continued until the year 1453 uh, in the East. Western Rome fell, but Eastern Rome continued on. And I just found that interesting since the beginning that there's this sort of misconception. It's like Rome, oh, Byzantium. And it's like, no, that's, that's not the case. So that's interesting. But Justinian especially is the last emperor who really honestly tried to recapture all of those lands that were lost when Western Rome fell. And he did. He, he managed to, by the time he uh, died, he managed to secure a lot of the territory that Rome in the West had formerly had. <clears throat> his, one of his main generals for those exploits was Belisarius. As far as what turned me on to Belisarius, because I originally wanted to make this about Justinian, but uh, I came across a YouTube video, a YouTube series um, about Justinian, and it's called Extra History. So if you want some fun, interesting uh, videos on history, go to Extra History, and they have a series on Justinian. But in watching this little series, I found myself much more appealed or uh, attracted to Belisarius. And so that led me down the rabbit hole where I got all of these books on Belisarius, and I, I found, man, what a tragic um, character, what a tragic guy, because 
out of all the characters, we've covered Napoleon and Frederick the Great and uh, Godfrey de Bouillon from the First Crusade. Um, we've covered all of these grand figures, but Belisarius was he, was, he was a really good general. He was a really good general. Um, I would even say great, mm. but, but uh, he's the most normal, everyday kind of guy out of everybody we've covered. So I am really, really happy with the album, uh, the lyrics especially, because of the lyrics too. Sorry, I'm ranting here, but I guess that's what this is all about. <laughs> the, uh, the album has eight songs, and uh, so in addition to really caring about the lyrics and Belisarius, I mean, this is a guy who his wife had a ongoing affair with their godson. And for Christians at the time, um, when you were related to somebody by like a godson or godparent, um, that was considered essentially on the same level as a real blood mother and blood father. So on top of it being uh, offensive that she would cheat on him with another man, it's there's kind of an incestuous level there, not literally, but that the level of oh, belief. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like that's how important it was. So I found that interesting, but <clears throat> here's a guy who also, he could have killed Antonina. He could have killed her and he might've been punished by the emperor, but nobody would have blamed him. In fact, mm -hmm. that he decided to not kill her. Everybody, regarded him as a puppet, as a, as a, a cuck, as all of the, the bad things you could throw out at him. But uh, I just found it really interesting, this sort of morality play um, in Belisarius' life. And things ended up taking care of themselves, because <laughs> when Belisarius actually did give in and uh, try to act against Antonina, thing, the, the empress... Uh, Theodora uh, freed Antonina, freed the the godson Theodosius. So when Belisarius tried to do something about it, it ended up, up falling apart in his hands. And after that, not long thereafter, the uh, godson died of sepsis, which is a very painful death. So <laughs> things, uh, I guess, end up working out. But back to the, the song thing, or the the album thing, the, uh, the the arrangement. So the song, the album is comprised of eight songs. Mm. And I'm really into film analysis and story analysis. So I thought, I'm going to try to make the album fit in a traditional eight-act story structure. So not only is it a really neat uh, lyrical concept and all of that, but it has like a... Uh, an introduction, uh, setting the scene. It has a, an inciting incident. It has a rising action. It has a climax, a resolution. It hits all of those beats that you would see in a well-made, well-scripted movie. Amazing, because obviously conveying the scale and scope of a story and experience like what you've just described, um, aside from lyrical content, it's a very, very difficult particularly as you want as many different people to hear what you're playing. Um, how on earth did you balance that? 
Um, sorry, could you rephrase the question? Like, how... when it came to expressing the scope and scale, um, aside from the lyrical content, how mm-hmm. do you balance getting across what is ultimately what you want—a good power metal album that will appeal to widespread audiences? and conveying that incredible story that is something that kind of hurts because i feel like well it's just a reality most people want the catchy uh hooks and they want the the nice things that they can sing along to most people are not going to get out the lyric booklet or go online and like really like follow the story and be like wow this is a good story um, so I, I mean, I, I craft my lyrics and melodies in one sense for, uh, the front end consumers, the people who are just like casual listeners. Cause of course, like I, like blind guardian, it's like catchy vocals, catchy lines. Um, so yeah, I, I want it to be accessible, but, uh, in one sense I'm writing for the 10 or 20 people who actually, get into it you know that's that's totally fair only the idea is to push that idea as well be it in social media posts and stuff like like all what you've described you can learn very easily just by spending 10 minutes on your facebook page and so on so it's there if you really really want um i guess the hope would be someone who's never heard of you listens and hears one song, one of the singles, and thinks, oh, I really like that. Let me check yeah. out the rest of the album. And then they go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, and get hooked <laughs> in. That's, that's the idea. Um, and, you know, the other thing, too, is it's like, you know, it, it's, it's not easy for the everyday person to identify with a 6th uh, century Eastern Roman Byzantine man. Um but so it's like not history isn't everybody's cup of tea sure but uh again i i think communicating it in a way that's relatable and timeless because really it's like this is a story part of what i like about what i try to do is the story you're telling needs to be adaptable for uh, a western or a sci-fi like whatever you know Mm. it's fascinating in that um I'm getting a history lesson today, not just from you, yeah. but my <laughs> earlier interview was all about Joan of Arc and an album based completely around that. So I've heard loads of information about this stuff today. It's <laughs> great. Yeah, I'll have to check that out then too. Yeah, Abduction, French black metal band. Okay, good. So obviously all of Judicator's albums to date, you've already mentioned, all been conceptual in some way or another. Now I wanted to ask you, how does that work for you guys? Is it a matter of you read something or see something and think that's interesting? Or do you already almost, I guess, have a pre-prepared list that you kind of want to, let's look at that in the future? That is an interesting question because I am a very interested, I'm very interested in history in general. Um, so there are always ideas that I have floating around. Um, but the thing of it is the music needs to match the feeling of the content. Mm. Um, like I feel let there be nothing, this album's music, I could not have put with an album about the American West, for Mm. 
for example. I don't feel that would have really fit, even though the American West is something that I it's on my bucket list. Like I, it, it would be neat. Infinitely um, fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So, so the music kind of tells me to begin with what kind of topic needs to be told. Um, so really what it comes down to is whatever I'm reading at the time, whatever I've put in my back pocket, so to speak for the future. Um, so generally like right now we have this big block of music and it happens to be really moody and for the next album it, it happens to be very moody and kind of open and progressive almost so that's got me uh convinced oh well, i was convinced before because i already have the the next album's uh outline already complete but it's going to be something of a sequel to at the expense of humanity and you're like how the hell do you do that it's like trust papa john i've got it i've got it <laughs> But uh, <laughs> just the, the music will tell you what you need to write. And I've had it before where <clears throat> I wanted to use this subject and I try playing with lyrics <clears throat> and I sing back like what I've got. And I'm like, uh, it would work, but it's not right. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. It's a perfect way to match it up. It's yeah. I love that ultimately whatever you're reading will inspire you in some way. It's just whether or not it fits the overall Judicator theme. Yeah. The response to the three singles so far. So we've had Gloria, Tomorrow's Sun, and the title track. It's been pretty good. I was looking earlier on on the YouTube comments of all places to check out YouTube <laughs> comments. But it is predominantly positive. Yeah. That's got to relax you a little bit in advance of this release. Yeah, I was a little bit nervous just because we were going a different, a totally new direction as far as production is concerned. Because um, we, we we did our uh, mixing and mastering with, I think his name is Damien Herring or something like that. But he does he does the, uh, the engineering for Horrendous, really good death metal band. But uh, so we, we were going for more of like a, organic traditional metal kind of sound so i was like i don't know i i don't know what people are going to expect because the past two albums have been very crisp well manicured and produced uh sonically but uh yeah my my uh nervousness has been pretty much put to rest you know you're, you're always going to have people who <clears throat> it, it doesn't jive with but like you said predominantly it's uh been a positive response so I feel a little bit vindicated. <laughs> Fantastic, because obviously the singles as well, I think the singles that you have released show off the variety in the albums. You can have your grander, grandiose, uh, larger tracks alongside ones that you described as a bit more traditional heavy metal. Um, yeah. So I think the balance has already been shown to the audience. This is what we sound like on this album, and so if it's positive, well, it, it, only, it only suggests great things for the overall album i think yeah oh man and that was the other thing too because we signed with prosthetic and they wanted three singles and i'm like three singles on an eight album i mean that's almost half of the album that we're giving everybody in advance so i wasn't sure how i felt about that um <clears throat> but what i was hoping would not happen is like you don't want to give all of the best away up front um 
And I'm very happy to say that as much as I <clears throat> really adore Gloria and as much as I love Let There Be Nothing, and Tomorrow's Sun is a whole different kind of animal, but uh, really, like, I'm being so honest. Like, the best is yet to uh, be released. The tracks like Strange to the World, that's, like, probably in my top three favorite Judicator songs that there is. And uh, The Wave of Pilgrim, ugh. There's <laughs> There, there's harmonies in the way of a pilgrim that remind me of Ghost. So spooky, and I love it. <laughs> I'm glad you already said that the best is yet to come, because I actually agree with you. Uh, have For my own review, there's a lot. There's other tracks, and the ones you mentioned, including as well Let There Be Light, I think that definitely yes. deserves a massive shout-out for making you feel 10 feet tall, man, listening to that track. Uh, yeah, there's a lot, lot more for people to enjoy. I think it's going to go down a storm, man. I really do. I hope so. Um, I'm always a little bit humbled too, because with uh, our first album, King of Rome, um, of course about Napoleon's return from exile, and uh, I wanted to include some French in there, and so I had like a song called "Tu n'es pas mort, coquin," but I pronounce it in the recording "coquin," I think. And it's like, why didn't I do just the basic... I took French in high school, so I was all like, no, I got it, I got it. Nope, I don't. Mispronounced it. <laughs> so we, we, we eventually did a re-recording of uh, Tu n'es pas mort, coquin, and uh, I, I fixed it there. But the reason I bring this up is because in Let There Be Light, <clears throat> I made a very silly mistake. Um, it's Ha Stavrosnika, not O Stavrosnika. So I mispronounced that, too. <clears throat> so I, I hope uh, the Greeks don't get their panties in a bunch over that. <laughs> Call it an Easter egg. An Easter egg. There you yep. go. Because you like Easter eggs. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a couple in, obviously, the title track. Now, I know one of them. Uh -huh. There's three, right? And I know one. Blind Guardians, A Dark Passage. Uh, probably. I think we actually have another somewhere far beyond... Um, reference in Sleepy Plesso. <coughs> okay. Let me the lyrics here. What were the Easter eggs you had in Let There Be Light? Uh, lyrics from A Dark Passage. Oh, um, yeah, in Let There Be Nothing, the ever marching on, That's... still we're marching on. <laughs> <laughs> that was very, the, the story behind that was like, Tony, so again, I get the music and then I uh, do with it whatever I please, I suppose. And uh, the outro for Let There Be Nothing just had that feeling. And I'm like, would it be bad if I just made a nod to A Dark Passage here? And I'm like, it's not like super obvious, but it's obvious enough that anybody who's heard that song would be like, ah. If you're so, a Blind Guardian fan, I think you'll see yeah. it. Um it's only one of your influences, and it's a nod to it, and a tribute to a degree. Yeah. Yeah, I just think it fit, and I'm like, what the hell? Why not? What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Do, you, um, do you guys, do you ever see yourselves as changing expectations of other power, of power metal fans in general? In particular, um, you're not a band that I feel, particularly on this new one, that are constrained by power metal and that mm. tag and what that means as you already said yourself there are elements of traditional heavy metal but changing the perception of fans is 
a tough one. Is that something you guys see yourselves able to do? Yes, yes, yes. And I just say that because we have tried to be as transparent about uh, we've tried to be as transparent to our fans and supporters as possible that we don't want to be boxed in. Um, King of Rome and The Last Emperor are like straightforward power metal, but we've got uh, at the expense of humanity that is like this weird progressive blend with power metal and prog. Um, and Let There Be Nothing of course, has more traditional elements and even like these weird fusions with like almost Opeth, you know, in like Strange to the World. Um, I believe that main like do 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 riff <laughs> that Tony had was uh, was uh, inspired by Opeth. And I know there is, uh, if memory serves me right, uh, a lot of cynic in, uh, influences in At the Expense of Humanity. And, you know, Tony has... <clears throat> um, uh, been working on Doom material. Like, we, we just don't want... Like, if we want to do a Doom album, then we want to be able to do it without people freaking out or something. So we, we really like to be able to explore everything lyrically, but also musically. Fantastic. It really does feel like Judicators is on an upward swing at the moment. Like, you've been growing and growing and growing. Now, obviously, we've signed up for Stack Records, the new album, and it feels like you potentially could smash through that glass ceiling, the one that exists above any metal band. Yeah. Is that something you guys are feeling? Um, I think so. There's going to be some very interesting changes going forward in the next year or so that um, I think are going to be weird, but also really positive for the band. And yeah, I'm just really intrigued to see once uh, the COVID situation dies down, <clears throat> if we can have uh, maybe bigger and longer tours, or if we just still play it safe and do festivals. I I'm really curious to see what we can do. Ultimately, we come down to that then. The last um, thing I have for you, obviously 2020 is mostly a bit of a washout and... You can only plan so far. Is that kind of the provisional potential idea that 2021, provided you're able to, is just going to be hammering the live scene? Um, it's we, we have to deliver an album to Prosthetic by the end of 2021. Um, so among the priorities that I can say for sure is that we want to launch a Patreon uh, in early 2021 and we have some fantastic ideas about that. We just need to talk with prosthetic to make sure that everything's kosher on that end. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Would that Patreon be to fund the new album potentially, or just for the band overall? I think for the band overall, because cool. we do, we do get some money from prosthetic to record and, you know, do whatever we need with that. Um, but I have really, really, exciting good ideas for what judicator can do especially if we have a uh, a decent patreon uh you know uh following <laughs> yeah love it yeah it's it's taking advantage of, of of what's there and hardcore fan base will want whatever you can offer be it i don't know mugs or whatever or just behind the scenes videos and live streams and stuff like that 
Yeah. I mean, the one idea that I'm really high on is, uh, you know, if, if you contribute X amount of money per month um, and you'll gain access to a personal concert and we'll live stream it or you can come. But that's that's cool enough already. But I love the idea of having fans vote for what set list we play. That would be cool. And I just think, like, can you imagine, like, Blind Guardian or Iron Maiden or Judas Priest do, doing that kind of thing? Like, that would be so cool. So Yeah. <laughs> those are the kind of ideas where I'm like, I would love to do it. So that means it's got to be at least a good idea. Brilliant. I think that's a fantastic idea. It seems, no matter what, pay attention to Judicator over the next year and a half. You've got to be busy. Let's hope so, yeah. <laughs> Get the world to calm down a little. Yes, that as well. The most important thing, that you are actually able to be busy. (laughs) John, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate this interview. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time, and this was really enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you very much for watching. You can check us out on GBHBell.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. Go to Patreon to help us out over there. That's patreon.com forward slash GBHBL, as well as Big Cartel, where you can find some of our merchandise. We have a podcast running on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And of course, if you like this video, do us a favor, hit the subscribe button and help the channel grow. Games, horror and heavy metal, what else is life for?